Welcome to Sourcing Journal Radio, our weekly check-in with apparel insiders and thought leaders, which spotlights a variety of topics currently driving change in the market. This podcast series is made possible by Cotton Incorporated, a not-for-profit company funded by U.S. cotton producers and importers whose mission is to increase the demand and profitability of cotton. Discover what cotton can do. I'm Angela Velasquez, the editor of Rivet. And I am Edward Hertzman, founder and president of Sourcing Journal and Rivet. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with Alberto Candiani, the global manager of Candiani Denim, the famed Italian denim mill founded 80 years ago by Alberto's great-grandfather, Luigi. Along with being the mill's fourth-generation son, Alberto, who was literally born in the denim mill, has become a vocal advocate in the industry for sustainable R&D and transparency. Last month, as part of the mill's anniversary celebrations, Candiani hosted its first open mill day, allowing the industry and media to tour its facilities located inside a nature reserve outside of Milan. This year, the mill also released Regen, an anniversary fabric that builds on its legacy for authentic yet innovative denim. And it's for these reasons that Alberto was named one of Rivet's 50 most influential people in denim. Alberto, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Ed and Angela. You held your first open mill day in October. Tell us about the event and what did you take away from that day? Yes, the open mill day was uh, an idea to showcase what we do, to show what we do for real. Uh, my impression is that not many people really know what's happening behind the scene. I mean, how denim is made. Uh, so we decided to open our gates and to let our partners, customers press in and show them what we do, how we do it. And um, I believe it was a very successful, it has been a very successful day because uh, everyone was very impressed. Um, it was... Um, kind of a Willy Wonka situation. Like the, the, uh, we don't make chocolate, but we make denim. But it's the same same thing. It's the same magic. And people were very impressed. Um, again, it's not easy to imagine what's behind a pair of jeans, starting with the fabric, starting with denim. So it's really important for us to show um, how we do it. Um, because we, we do it in a very special way. Um, as you mentioned, we are located in a nature reserve. And that's part, I mean, the environment uh, is key for us. You know, we, we have to respect the environment. And in order to respect the environment, we have to do things in a very specific way. And it's very important for us to show to our customers and to the press and to the public what we do. Alberto, it's a pretty bold step to pull back the curtain on your manufacturing. What message did you want to send to the industry by opening up your mill? It is all about transparency. Um, my interpretation of transparency is uh, is extreme. Uh, I just wanted to be as transparent as I could, so I opened the, the mill to everybody. Um, again, nowadays it's all about certificates and paperwork and you know auto auto certification i don't know i have the impression that if you really want to see something you should go and see it 
Uh, I think you shouldn't just be happy with a piece of paper telling you it's okay, it's fine the way they do it. I think for all our customers, it you know the best thing to do is to go and see their suppliers. And I believe uh, when they come over, it's open-minded. And um, I can tell you for a fact, they, they are all very impressed with, with what we do and the way we do it. So yes, the message was, full-on transparency for real, like tangible transparency. What about your fellow suppliers who are saying that brands and retailers don't want to pay more for sustainable products? Are you hearing that from your clientele? Does innovation come with a cost and are you investing every year back into your business to stay ahead of the sustainable trend? Yes. Um, innovation and sustainability go together. Um I make a stupid example, uh, but it's normally very efficient. Uh, look at the car industry. Um, each um, car manufacturer, they, they, they would come out with a new car, which is performing better than the previous model, um, which pollutes less than the previous model, is more efficient. Uh, and this is more or less the way we approach our R&D. Um, and it's a challenge to make it competitive. You know, we have to stay competitive. So, of course, R&D as costs and sustainable um, innovation as even higher costs. But we need to be smart and engineer uh, a new denim with all these features without going crazy with the price. Because, as you said, most of the customers are not really, really willing to pay much more for a sustainable product. Uh, again, we need to stay competitive and be smart when we engineer a new, a new fabric. I would say that the trend is slightly changing. Uh, we have more and more suppliers understanding the extra cost we have to sustain when it comes to very, very sustainable innovation. And uh, but they're willing to pay a little bit more. They're willing to pay five to ten percent more. They're not willing to pay the double. So again, the key is to be to be very conscious and smart when we when we invest in new technology and when we engineer new products. Alberto, we hear a lot that customers are reluctant to pay more. But as a manufacturer, it's not just about doing great for the environment. There's also a good business behind this. It improves efficiency and improves margin over time. How long does it take to yield this investment? And is there even an ROI on this? Yeah, this is a very good question because we are investing a fortune in new technologies and new ingredients. Um, we believe uh, efficiency um, is key. And normally, when you make your meal efficient, then you have a payback. Uh, it's a long-term one. I think we're talking about five to 10 years. Right now, we're just investing a lot. So short term, it's not easy to, to stay competitive. And of course, we, we are adding costs. But again, um, medium, medium long term, we should become more competitive because of what we, um, because of our investments and the new technologies we are, uh, we are acquiring. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, we invested a lot in the license of a patent called Ketotex, which uh, concerns the application of ketosone on the yarns. 
and uh, we are paying for a license fee and we're paying for a royalty. So yes, uh, keto tax helps us um, purifying the water and being more efficient during the weaving. But um, if I look at the cost um, between the ingredient itself, so ketosone and the application, uh, we, we are looking at a way more expensive uh, fabric. Um, we are trying to make it volume. We're trying to scale up volumes the fastest we can because in the end, we're talking textiles and volumes are key. Uh, but just to answer your question, yeah, five to 10 years uh, to see some uh, successful and efficient results. Uh, short term, it's just investing, investing and yeah, spending the money the right way. In Amsterdam, you debuted a vegan version of uh, Ketotex. And I was yeah. kind of surprised about why you even went down that road. Can you explain how that came about? Yes, we call it the vegetal Ketotex. So um, many customers, not only the vegan ones, uh, were concerned about the actual origin of uh, the ketosone we're sourcing to apply the Ketotex technology. And as you know, Ketosone normally comes from shrimp shells or crustaceans. It's food waste. And I think it's brilliant because it's circular economy and it's a brilliant way to use, reuse um, some waste. But yeah, some customers were just concerned about the animal origin. So we looked into a vegetal solution, which we found um, from, from mushrooms and seaweed. So, yeah, we, we are offering both. The mill launched Regen earlier this year, which essentially packages Candiani's sustainable solutions into one product. Are you looking into other areas within the denim making process to be even more resource efficient? Yes, indeed. Uh, the Regen was all about uh, recycled and regenerated materials. And uh, the idea behind was, uh, let's see if Finally, in 2018, we are able to make a true Candiani premium fabric using our own waste. And we did. Um, we created a beautiful package of fabrics. We're talking about six different fabrics, including all the alternatives like indigo, black, stretch, rigid. And for the first time, I can tell that we achieved a very impressive aesthetic result because till five, six years ago, even three years ago, any super sustainable fabric made of recycled materials were just looking bad or at least not as good as the non-sustainable version of it. But this time we, we beat it. I think we, we really created a new generation of regenerated denim, which looks amazing, even better than the non-regenerated one. And going forward, we are looking at renewable sources and degradable, biodegradable and compostable um, materials. So I think next step will be, yes, from, from recycled to, um, to compostable. Alberto, I know Candiani has started using Refibra. Are there any other innovations or alternative materials in the market that you're excited about? Refibra is a very good example because thanks to Refibra, we were able to make the region fabric. You see, three, four years ago, Refibra wasn't there. We couldn't achieve such a, 
uh, special composition, and that was the reason why the old regenerated stuff was looking quite bad. Refibra is brilliant. Um, it was really key to to achieve uh, to to make the regen possible. We are looking at other fibers too, uh, and we are looking at uh, bio um, elastomers. So we we are now introducing both regenerated and bioelastomers in our uh, in our R&D. Uh, we developed together with Royka um, a regenerated elastomer, which is performing really, really well. And we believe that, you know, Kandiani is quite famous for, um, we're quite famous for our stretch fabrics. And we felt like we had to improve the quality and the sustainability of our own stretch fabrics. So we developed these very interesting GRS-certified um, elastomer with Royka. And always with the Royka, but even with other suppliers, we're looking into degradable yarns and degradable elastomers. You know, Alberto, in your uh, opinion, what are the major misconceptions about sustainability, especially at the mill level? Yes, uh, this is a very good question. So. Sustainability became such a strong and appealing marketing tool that unfortunately, the market is full of greenwashers. And greenwashing is my obsession. So I have to prove that my sustainability is real, is tangible. Uh, our sustainability is not just marketing. And this is also, um, it's another reason why we did the open meal day. It's to prove it just to show it. Um, I would, I mean, frustration comes when you see meals hiding behind a green leaf telling you, oh, we do organic, and obviously they're not. And I mean, or if they are, they don't mean it. They, they don't do it seriously. They don't really uh, divide a line from the rest of production to make true organic yarns and fabric. Uh, or and this is just an example. I mean, again, everyone is abusing um, sustainability. So how to prevent? I mean, once again, brands should visit their suppliers way more. They should go there and see what they do and the way they do it. Um, I think this is key. And also, um, I mean, th there's tons of certificates out there even too many, too many. Some of these certificates are good, some others are just whatever. I think each brand should finally invest in human resources to understand all this new bureaucracy, which is escalating, it's going out of control. So we need new professionalities. Like even at Candiani, we have two people working on sustainability. Like, New, a new position, like a sustainable manager. <laughs> That's what we call him. Uh, we have two of, uh, two of them working on sustainability in order to make it tangible and visible um, and taking care of all the paperwork and the, the certification. So once again, I, I recommend to visit, visit your supplier and have somebody um, that really understands about the bureaucracy and the certificates. The fact is, no matter how sustainable a gene may be, it still has to look good in order for people to buy it. 
And what are some denim trends uh, that you see coming down the pipeline that you think uh, brands and retailers should keep an eye on? Uh, yes. So organic is still huge, but I promise 99.0% of what is labeled organic is not. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of speculation and um, it's really easy. It, it, it's really easy to certify as organic something which is not organic. Um, in terms of trends, I see more and more uh, waterless concepts. As we know, uh, denim consumes a lot of water and uh, I see more and more brands interested in um, waterless treatments and um, a new generation of fabrics that are made with less water in general. Um, same thing about chemicals, um, but they're a little less uh, visible or it's not as easy to market something. Uh, you know, for some reason, when you mention chemicals, it all sounds dangerous, you know, but chemistry is not just bad. I mean, there's there's good chemistry too. The problem is to make it, uh, um, to tell the consumer about the good chemistry. So people are just trying I mean, brands are just trying to avoid this chemical aspect, which is key. So I would say the trend is about organic bioproducts and waterless um, products. It's very rare today to hear about a company that is fourth generation run, especially in the apparel industry. Knowing that you have a son, what are your thoughts about him one day taking over the business? <laughs> I'm not going to force him. I'm not. Look, textile is becoming impossible. Uh, it's really, it's really tough. Of course, if he likes it, is welcome to join the company. If he wants to do something else, he can do whatever he wants. Um, I'm gonna try to transfer some of my passion for denim and for innovation, and see if if he's, you know, into it. But if he's not. I mean, it can be it can be a musician, it can be a painter, it could be anything, really. Alberto, I know on a personal level, you have quite a bit of passions. You've DJed before, you've produced music, and you went to school to study advertising. How do all these experiences guide or influence your work as a manager at the mill? Indeed, I think that um, you know I've always been a little eclectic, and. Um, I think my um, my other passions as music or art um, have influenced my um, my whole life. I mean, in a way, um, I can say that without being a little crazy, I I couldn't probably uh, bring innovation into the mill, into our fabrics. Um, not as much as I did. Uh, I think um, I, I think the very old-fashioned technical approach to fabric engineering is somehow limited. Uh, we have to look uh, beyond that. We we really have to explore all the opportunities. Um, and again. Um, 
it's not just Romans. I mean, when we, when we look at when we look at this new sustainable innovation, we are looking at madness. Uh, we are not really looking at denim no more. And yeah, probably not. Probably I'm sure. I'm sure my other passions have, uh, you know, um, they. I was able to open my mind a bit more because of that. Great. And our final question. Uh, what are you looking forward to in 2019? 2019 is a big year. Um, we are really close to uh, to achieve what we call a denim 2.0, like a new generation of fabrics with, with different contents. Uh, we're really looking at uh, biodegradability as um, we are approaching biodegradability very fast. And I believe 2019 will be, uh, will be the year to reach um, this very important goal. Uh, I'm not just talking about rigid fabrics. It's quite easy to achieve 100% biodegradable fabrics when you just work with cotton. I'm talking about stretch fabrics too. So 2019 should be the year, hopefully. Otherwise, 2020. Alberto, I really want to thank you for joining us today. You are truly an innovator in the denim industry. For those who want to contact you and potentially work with your mill, what would be the best way for them to reach you? So, well, through our website, uh, our social medias, uh, our agents around the world, I mean, it's pretty easy to reach us. I mean, even by phone, if you want to call the mill. Absolutely, absolutely. That, and, and Rivet, I mean, you know, we, we are very, very open and easy to, to reach out. Alberto, who is the ideal Candiani customer? And interesting one. I would say, I mean, I have to mention Denim because Denim is um, a true new style premium brand and they also care about sustainability so we're looking at uh, a product which is made really well um jason denim himself is a big you know is a denim connoisseur is a lover uh is passionate and he cares about the product so he cares about sustainability um I would say there's many other there's many other customers that I mean the direct to consumer I think is a brilliant idea, it really is I like it personally but um, I don't know about the passion that they put in the product for some reason I can I can describe the the more um, old fashioned I, I think everybody all brands should be simply showing more about the way they make their products. I think this is interesting for the final consumer. Um, I think they should find a way to make it interesting for the final consumer because too many brands are spending a fortune with, on very boring stuff, like terribly boring. Even sustainability can be very boring. So you need to find a way to make it interesting. You, you, you're looking at a different kind of language and we're also looking at a different kind of consumer because you know millennials generation z x whatever these guys are not really um um taking this 
uh, as we did. And I'm 37 years old, so I don't consider myself very old, but I'm just looking at the new generation and their level of interest is just different. Uh, so we need to have a different kind of interpretation. I believe uh, brands like Everlane have been very successful doing this. I also believe that uh, even Levi's, if, if you look at Levi's, <laughs> I mean, seriously, the 18 years old guys wearing Levi's, they don't know what Levi's is. I don't think they do. So it's interesting, you know, it was very interesting to see Levi's resurrecting and becoming popular again for some reason. So I think they found a very interesting way to communicate with the younger generation. Um, again, denim is more of a premium concept, which includes sustainability. And if you go to a store, if you if you go to one of their stores, you, you can immediately uh, feel the beauty of the product and um, and the premium aspect of it. Uh, Nudie, Nudie is also doing a good job. You know, Nudie has always been the organic guy, but, you know, they probably lost interest or, um, yeah, I don't want to say they be they became boring because Nudie has always been a great brand, but I see now they're trying to uh, be more proactive in terms of communication, and I'm sure they will succeed. So I hope that Jason Denham is listening because not only did you mention him, but I'm also wearing a pair of his jeans. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I really love the product he makes. It's superior. It's honestly superior. And I think it has a golden rivet, correct? Which is a shout out to you. Yeah. Yes, the Golden Rivet, I mean, he deserves it. Uh, again, it's a, it's a special brand and, and they want, and they really care about the product. So product care is key. Again, Alberto, thank you for your time. We hope to have you on the Rivet Podcast again soon. Absolutely, my pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Join Sourcing Journal in Hong Kong on May 8th for our second international edition of the Sourcing Summit. This year, the theme is Accelerate Change. Our supply chain panelists will take a close look at the initiatives that are gaining traction as the industry moves towards greater speed, efficiency, and sustainability. Visit sourcingjournal.com for program and ticket details.